We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Danemore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts coming at you Sunday night after the Timberwolves beat the Brooklyn Nets 136 to 125. Yes, uh, no Kevin Durant for the Brooklyn Nets who missed Durant misses fourth straight game, but it was still James Harden, was still Kyrie Irving, and the Nets were otherwise pretty much at full strength. They had not been struggling coming into Minnesota. They'd, they'd won their first, two of their first three games without KD. This was the fourth game for them on a four-game road trip. So we kind of just knew coming into this game from the Wolves' perspective that tonight was going to be about slowing down Harden and slowing down Kyrie or just straight-up outscoring the Nets. And the Wolves, they, they kind of did both, or in ways they did both. Kyrie did have a big game. He had 30, but Harden only scored 13 points. And the Wolves... On offense, they, they also blitzed the Nets. They, they scored 136, like I said. They shot 44% from three and 57% from two. And here we are. All of a sudden, after being a below-average offensive team for the first half of the year, the Wolves have switched gears into becoming a very good offensive team since they kind of got their team back from COVID. It's, it's been nine games since the starters were all back and the team was was at full strength, and the Wolves are the number one offense in the NBA over that now three-week stretch, number one. So I think the question we have after this win, kind of now extending an an impressive stretch of offense is, you know, what is behind the uptick in the Wolves' offense lately? And I think offensively, three things stick out. It's, It's the shooting, it's the quality of the passing increasing, and it's also the frequency with which the Wolves are getting out and running with a pace. The the first one's kind of obvious, right? Like if you're going to be the best offensive team, you're going to be hitting more shots. Obviously, threes are going to pop there. Like we said tonight, Wolves made 44% of their threes. And over this nine-game stretch, they've made over 36% of their threes, which is the sixth best three-point percentage in the league over that run. And they've boosted that three-point percentage without dipping their three-point volume as a team. They've led the league in three-point volume all season, and the volume has only taken a slight dip over this three-week run. Only Charlotte has taken uh, a higher volume of threes over the past three weeks. But I think sometimes with shooting, we we over-focus on, on the threes. Like, two-point percentage is involved in there too. And that's actually where the Wolves have made some hay. 
here. They are fifth in two-point percentage in the league over this run. That's an area they'd really been struggling in at the beginning of half, the first half of the season when they were a below-average offense. And when you combine three weeks of top 10 three-point shooting with top five two-point percentage, you know, you're going to have one of the best shooting teams in the league. The, the Wolves have the third best effective field goal percentage, which combines two-point shooting with three-point shooting, the third best in the league over this three-week stretch. And really, the the poster boy for the Wolves in this run in those, in all of these factors, the shooting for sure, but all of the factors, we talked about the pace and the assists too, the passing, it, it's D'Angelo Russell. He's been back for nine games. If you remember, that first game back was... You know, it was, it was a bad one for D'Lo. He was adjusting back from COVID, clearly. But now over these last eight games, he's averaging nearly 22 points per game, nearly nine assists, and he shot 45% from three and 68% from two, both on, on high volume. D'Lo's passing mixed in with that, that shot making, that shot making at all levels has, has really, it's changed the fabric of the Wolves' offense. He's also been more intentional about pushing the pace just, just after a make, and he's found easier buckets for his teammates You know when, when the Wolves are kind of quicker into their offensive flow. The good thing, though, is this boost in pace and this little bit more frenetic offensive flow is that the Wolves' turnover volume has, has not increased. The Wolves are fifth in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio over the past three weeks, too, and they're second in pace. Normally, those things go the opposite direction. It, it all just sort of clicked, not just for D'Lo, but for the team as a whole once they got back from COVID. But it, it was interesting to, to talk to, to Chris Finch after the game that, that he feels it wasn't the starters necessarily all coming back that, that triggered the click offensively, but it's what they saw when they were out during that COVID time. Finch credits the starters being able to watch the bench guys for why it has clicked so well recently. Here's Finch when asked about the number one offense in the league over these past three weeks. Talked early in the year about the offensive struggles and that since like January 3rd, it's like the best offense in the NBA efficiency wise. What do you think has been the biggest reason for the jump and getting to maybe where you closer to where you thought you'd be offensively at the outset of the season? Um, I don't know. Uh, I just, you know, I like the way that we're playing with just like way more kind of flow and the ball is moving a little bit earlier. And, and, and to be fair, that that was jump started by the guys who played, you know, during the COVID, um, you know, issues that we had. They kind of really started moving the ball. And then when the starters came back, they've really done a great job of moving the ball. I think decision making is has gone up in terms of, you know, you know quick decision making. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if our free throw rate is any higher. I don't know if we're making shots any better or whatever, but feels like we're getting a little bit more in transition to uh, which are going to be easier shots. So, yeah, I think it's just a lot to do with the ball movement. I think it's a lot that these guys, like, are letting the game come to them um, rather than, like, try, everyone's trying to, like, go out and put their mark on it like we were doing earlier in the season. And that kind of goes to what John's question was, too. Yeah. It is basically since then, like, since you got the guys back from yeah. the COVID absences. I mean, it's, like, kind of funny to think that that's what sparked is literally yeah. other guys playing. Sometimes you got to see it and to trust it, you know, and that, that those guys during that time had no other way to play. We didn't have guys who were going to create a lot of their own offense ball by themselves. And, um, 
you know, so I think it's very mature and very self-aware for those starters to come back and recognize like the, the, that the rhythm had changed a little bit. It was interesting to hear what D'Angelo Russell had to say, explaining what that experience was like to not be out there during that stretch. He talked about how it kind of taught him where he needed to fit into the offense. More so figuring out what differences he could make once he eventually got back, not just mimicking what was happening in the COVID time. Because, I mean, right, like, let's be real, the Wolves bench players were like kind of interesting. Like the Greg Monroe experience was nice, but they weren't exactly world beaters when all the Wolves starters were out. They weren't drawing up the perfect blueprint. They lost five of six games at one point when guys were out with COVID. So that's why... That's what makes Delo's answer here make sense to me. It's it's not that he necessarily had to mimic what those guys were doing when he was out. He more had to figure out how to get the guys around him going when they were playing in this way that was more predicated on ball movement. Here's Delo explaining that, explaining this tonight after his 23 point and 10 assist night. The offense has been so good since you guys all came back from COVID protocols. Was there something oddly beneficial about having that time to just watch? Um, and I don't know, maybe just think, see little things you can do in the offense, stuff like that. For myself, heck yeah. Um, watching the team without myself and seeing how we operated, you know, seeing things of that sort. And I wanted to bring that to the game, you know, uh, to our team, you know, uh, ways to lead, ways to talk to guys, all of that. So definitely for myself. But uh, what is it like, I guess, like seeing and implementing, like, what is what was it about maybe like watching the game from afar where you're able to like come to those conclusions or maybe it's a little bit more difficult when you're in the action every single day? Uh, I could see myself missing. You know, I could see myself getting guys the ball when they haven't touched the ball in multiple possessions. I see that guy frustrated because he hasn't dribbled the ball. I see that guy that's mad getting back on defense every time because a guy looked him off. You know, things like that. I feel like. Um, I recognize it and I try to attack it as the best way I can to keep guys on board and not lose them in the process. I think what we're seeing now from D'Lo offensively in terms of boosting the overall value of the group is in ways similar to how we saw him boost the overall value of the group defensively during the beginning of the season. D'Lo's ability to, to read the floor defensively and be able to kind of freelance, free safety, his help is where his value started to shine defensively. He didn't just come into this season and all of a sudden become a lockdown one-on-one defender this year. The defensive value was generated by using his intellect, right? And now while we see his individual shooting numbers blow up on offense, his value isn't just that. It's that he's raising the value of the group offensively by also putting his teammates in places to succeed. That's clearly shown up on the pick and roll, right? Like far more frequently, we're seeing what you can bring out of Jared Vanderbilt as a role man, out of Nas Reed just way more than we were earlier in the year. Or you see D'Lo just on the perimeter making that one more pass for a three-point shooter. This this sounds kind of weird, but but I feel like if watching closely, you see his teammates kind of playing off of D'Lo's eye contact more lately. He's he's speaking the same language as his teammates, even if it's non-verbal. I, I noticed it first, really, when I was at that Memphis game a couple weeks ago, probably because I was just sitting in a different seat different angle than I normally do, but D'Lo is doing this, was doing this thing kind of in semi-transition situations where, you know, the defense is transitioning back and he'll wave to one of his teammates that's already gotten down the floor 
and a wave and it'll say, come get me to, to set the screen. But when he announces that, it's actually code for the teammate to pretend to come up to set the screen and then just go back door for a cut. He does it with Jaden McDaniels a lot, Jared, Jared Vanderbilt some too. I mean, I guess that is verbal, not nonverbal, but there's a lot of these little tricks that he pulls now that are made possible, I think, by just having a growing chemistry with his teammates. I don't know. Watch for it next game. I think once you kind of hone in on it a little bit, I guarantee he'll do it at least once with Jaden McDaniels next week. A wave, a wave to come get him that is actually a design, basically, for a backdoor cut. But the broader point here is that I think D'Lo's individual numbers lately, as good as they are, are not exactly a fair representation of the value he's driving offensively lately. And the number to look at in to see the value is in the team numbers, where the Wolves are that number one offense in the league since Russell came back from COVID. All right, let's take a quick break here and then come back to, hi- to highlight where some of the other contributors came into this game and kind of how that played into and was very necessary and what was a because it was a very slow night from Cat to start. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The last thing you want to hear when you need your auto insurance most is Thank you for calling. Please listen to your list of 46 possible service options. Which is why when you choose USAA Auto Insurance, you'll get great service that is easy and reliable. 24 7 online service for claims, access to roadside assistance, and more. All at the touch of a button. Start getting the service you deserve. Get a quote today. Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates, San Antonio, Texas. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 11-point win over the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday night. As I was mentioning before the break, it was a very quiet night for Cat to start. He only had three first-half points, and it wasn't because he was in foul trouble. I mean, even like late in the third, I was looking, it was like two minutes left in the third, and Cat still only had three points. It was just interesting to see the Wolves play the role of a dominant offense tonight, even when Cat was not at all contributing to that dominance. Again, a big part of that was D'Lo. He had 17 in halftime, but Anthony Edwards, he also had 15 in half. Jalen Noel had 12 points at half. Just looking at the halftime box score, Cat was eighth on the team in scoring at halftime, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't because his minutes were limited. And this was what... I don't know. I I think it's kind of become a trend for this team lately. The depth of the team has not cost the Wolves. I mean, they they had a a stretch in in the first half where all three of Cat, Ant, and D'Lo were off the floor. And it was just a straight bench unit of Jalen Noel, um, Josh Okogie, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, and Nas Reed. 
they won those minutes in the first half. Finch went to it again to to start the fourth quarter, and they won those minutes by two. Like in just an eleven point victory, I think it was five or six of the points were generated just when the entire second unit was out there. And in terms of offense, also just sort of out of nowhere over these past few weeks, the bench has been delivering. That hadn't been happening. Like I said, I mean, Noel had 12 points at halftime. He finished with 16. He only missed three shots in the night. Torian Prince had 15 points tonight. He didn't miss a single shot in the game. The role players are just more seamlessly plugging into roles on this team of late. And Carl Ante Towns gave this answer, which I thought was an interesting answer tonight about how the roles were defined on this team this season earlier on, and now they're kind of coming to roost. Carl, it seems like role players have, have had a knack for just stepping up when their number has been called um, in big moments this year. Uh, from your perspective, you know, how do you think um, you and your teammates as well as Coach Finch, uh, you know, do with with communicating with those players about what the roles might be and how they can stay ready. Well, I think I think the biggest I think one of the the, the biggest moments for us in our in our season was um, ten plus games in having a team meeting and then just clarifying what everyone's role is. So everyone knows what they role. Is. You're you're our shooter. You're a defender. You're an energy guy. You know, even down to people who, you know, unfortunately, just because there's just not enough time in a game, like. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Knight and McKinley Wright, like, you know, we expect y'all to be the energy off the bench and, and be the positive voices we need to consistently hear. Like, we broke it down to what every single person's job is to do. And I think that was one of the most impactful meetings we had because, um, you know, I think a lot of times there's always confusion and they don't, people truly don't know what the role we envision for them or the coaches have for them. And putting that out there in an open, honest conversation in that format as a team. I think it one grew us as a team. It, we grew as, as friends and brothers, we say, you know, we grew and um, just to have that open communication led to us, you know, I think defensively being that much better of a defensive team. Do you think that helps each other? You yeah, know, each other for sure. I think it takes confusion out. The more things we could take out that people have to think about, it's always going to be better. One chance you give them to play basketball. So um, allowing people to be basketball players is, uh, something that always benefits people. I'd heard there was some sort of team meeting like this where Pat Bev had made every player on the team describe their role, but I didn't know exactly when that meeting happened. And it's Kat said in that answer there, it was, it was 10 games into the season. And if you go back and you look at the schedule, that was a pretty critical juncture of the year for the Wolves. They were three and seven after 10 games into the year. And that 10th game was actually the sixth game of a six game losing streak. After that, and after that meeting, allegedly, they they won six of their next eight games. So to some extent, that meeting generated some immediate results. But I think what we're actually seeing happening is that those roles that they talked about are finally sinking in. They're becoming a reality. You know, Torian Prince all year has had this weird tweener role he's never really played before, and he doesn't even always play, you know. There's the other one, the more obvious ones, the Beasley, you're the bench shooter, fire away, Vando, you're the energy guy, etc. But I also think some of the roles have just naturally needed to change or evolve over these past few months. Jalen Noel is probably the most obvious one there, right? Like he went from nothing, not at all in the rotation to being the sixth man, the, the shot creator for this team. And it goes the other way, too, where some guys had roles and they They've had to peel back. I mean, Josh Okogie started the first three games of the season. Now he 
pretty much only plays when Beverly is hurt. There's been some effective tinkering by Finch, but also like some acceptance of that tinkering by the players. And it's it's kind of made the Wolves who they are, or at least who they've been lately, which is a completely different identity than they had the first half of the season. Which also note, like, comes with a somewhat concerning caveat that on the other side of the ball, after being a top 10 defense the whole first half of the year during this offensive boomlet, the Wolves defense has taken a step back. They've been 17th in defense over these last three weeks. Like, not a huge step backwards, but that's a that that is that is a step backwards. So the next step for this team is to do something close to maintaining this offensive output. Maybe you're not going to be the number one offense in the league, but you know, but be that be that tenth in offense that we thought this team could be. You know, coming into the year, and then also bring that defense back up to where it has been for the first forty games of the year, which was a top ten defense. They they handled Brooklyn's potent offense tonight with their potent offense, but they are, as we've been talking about, they're they're entering kind of an offensive gauntlet here. Tuesday is against Portland. Portland's not a good defensive team, but they are an above average offense. Then it's two Golden State on Thursday and then Phoenix on Friday. That is a tough road trip, specifically in terms of needing to contain scores on the other team. I mean, the, the Wolves offense in every one of those games is probably not going to just be able to go blow for blow with them. I mean, that's that's the blueprint of the loss in Atlanta, right? Like, if you just try and score with them and the defense isn't there at all, like, it it's going to be hard to win, particularly on the road. So got to take those defensive steps back forward too, right? All right, let's close tonight out on prize picks, hit on a few other notes from tonight's game. I actually didn't get any prize picks wrong tonight of my four picks. I pushed on one of them, got the other three right. But the one I pushed on was the over on nine rebounds for Jared Vanderbilt. He finished with exactly nine. He had nine boards, nine points, missed zero shots. Kind of becoming like almost the expected Jared Vanderbilt game. I also took the over on 18 and a half points for D'Angelo Russell. I think I've been taking the over on D'Lo points in almost every game for the past two weeks. I think these props are pretty much set by the players like season long averages. And offensively, D'Lo has been just a different player this month. The 68% from two thing, I want to like hammer home, like 68% from two over these last eight games, that sticks out. He's made 30 of his 44 two point shots over the last eight games. And, you know, watching it, like, those are not all layups. Like D'Lo is not only dialed in from three, he's dialed in on that mid-range too. And it's it like it's making him that three-level score where he can get the three, he can pull up for the three, he can pull up for the mid-range shot. And he has been able to get all the way to the rim, some too. We also got the under on eight rebounds for James Harden, correct? Harden only finished with five rebounds. He he had a really bad night. Only 13 points from Harden. He only made one three, made three twos, only four free throws. I thought the job Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Kogi to some extent did on Harden. They it, it was excellent. They, they they pushed him right the whole time. They walled him up and they they made Harden be a passer. And when you don't have Durant out there, that you know, that made Kyrie need to be the offense. And there just aren't a lot of other offensive weapons on that that team. They've been relying a lot on Lamarcus Aldridge recently, and and Aldridge just that that wasn't at all enough either. We also hit the over on three made free throws for Anthony Edwards. Ant was, he was really attacking the bucket all night. You, you look at the stat sheet, and I don't, I don't think it's really a, a fair representation because 
Ant took eight threes and nine twos, so that doesn't seem necessarily like it was was an attack night. He did make four of those eight threes, but the threes were largely catch and shoot looks. Like the first instinct tonight for Ant was pretty clearly to attack. You know, you can really tell where his mind's at when he's in those in between situations where he's like got a big switched on him and he's deciding between attacking and taking the you know between attacking and taking that step back three and. Tonight, he he did prioritize the drive almost every time, even if it didn't lead to a finish, but just to be a passer there. And I think we all agree that not, you know, you want him to take the threes too, but anytime you can get him leaning in toward the attack part of his game, that, that always seems to be a benefit. Edwards did go down to the floor late in the fourth quarter of the game, and it was kind of scary. He had to be helped to the locker room by the trainers. Apparently, though, um, it was just like a knee-knocking we think Finch did say, I didn't see the specific play, but Finch said after the game that that Edwards was all right. So we'll uh, I'm sure we'll get some sort of I'm sure he'll be probable or questionable on the on the injury report for Tuesday just with that. But I think any sort of fear of something serious was uh, was wiped out there uh, with Ant, which is a good thing. So that was three oh and one on my prize picks tonight that boosts my season total on these picks to ninety one seventy nine and seven. I have seen more and more of you have been joining prize picks lately. And if you're still listening to me, the talk about these picks and don't know what I'm actually talking about. It's, it's just daily fantasy, a daily fantasy app. If you download the app, you'll see it's just straight up over under wagers on, on, you know, how many points or rebounds or whatever, you know, stat a player can have in a game. And yeah, just like I've been saying all year, it's a fun little extra thing to do during these games. If you do create a prize picks account, uh, sign up using the promo code Dane, just my first name, and Prize Picks will credit your account with a $100 sign up bonus. That's all I got for you tonight. Uh, we didn't even didn't even have to talk about the refs at all tonight. Like I said, tough little road trip coming up here, Portland to San Francisco to Phoenix. We'll be talking about each of those uh, after they're done this week, and I'll again have Britt join me on the off day. So. Four more shows this week as the Wolves kind of keep rolling along. I will talk to you after that Portland game on Tuesday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.